guys, welcome to the third episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Burke, and on this episode I interviewed Elizabeth Ryan from Raw Milk Ireland. On this episode, me and Elizabeth discussed the government's plan for banning the selling of raw milk in Ireland coming in the new year. Elizabeth is ahead of the Raw Milk campaign, which is opposing the government's proposal for banning the selling of raw milk. This was a highly informative interview, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay guys, welcome to the interview. Um, on the line is Elizabeth Ryan from Raw Milk Ireland and the Raw Milk Campaign. So I'm just going to let Elizabeth, Elizabeth introduce herself to the listeners. So um, take it away, Elizabeth. So hi, so um, I've been working on the Raw Milk Campaign since the beginning of this year. I'm actually the wholesale manager for Sheridan's Cheesemongers. So we've been selling raw milk for... Um, nearly a year now when we discovered it was actually legal there last year to sell raw milk because of an EU directive we kind of thought hmm we'd like to do this and we've obviously been very involved in raw milk cheese over the years and so in conjunction then with David Tiernan up in Louth we started selling raw milk in our shops in Dublin and in Galway and in Meath. Um, Can you just explain to the listeners what is currently going on with the uh, food industry and the banning of raw milk? So basically, uh, back in 1996, uh, raw milk, and that's raw cow's milk, was banned in Ireland. Um, That was actually the then Minister for Agriculture was Ivan Yates at the time, who signed the statutory instrument which brought that in. So things rested so for a number of years, and uh, what happened then was that in 19, no, sorry, 2005, um, there was an EU hygiene directive. So oftentimes people think that um, we're just blindly following EU laws, but in this case, the EU hygiene directive, which came into law in 2005, actually superseded our ban. So it made it legal within European member states to sell cow's milk in your local market and to local retailers and direct from the farm. Now, none of us knew about this and unfortunately it went as far as 2008 in fact there was a public consultation which should have made it clear and in hindsight when one reads it it kind of maybe perhaps does make it clear but anyway none of us none of us realized this that actually it was legal so cow's milk so the 2008 consultation was in relation to sheep's and goat's milk um Sheep's and goat's milk make up about 2.5% of the total dairy output in Ireland, mm-hmm. so obviously not, not a very large percentage. So this consultation was about whether the ban should be extended um, to goats and sheep's milk. It was probably a little bit misleadingly worded, but you know it, it, it still did actually clearly state that the government's intention was to have a ban on cow's milk and that this consultation was in order to, 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 to get people's views about goats and sheep's milk. So... That all passed, and then Ella McSweeney, a journalist, um, did a story about it in 2010. And really, then after that, we. Go ahead. And we allowed us to sell raw milk. So, um, so we approached David Tiernan, and he, he then said that he'd be interested in doing it. Now, concurrently to this, um, there's a number of people in the food community who, who, who would sit on what's called the FSAI, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland Artisan Committee, and they, they broached the question at the time, and we were really told straight away that the Food Safety Authority's intention was to ban at the sale of raw milk. So really as soon as we all realised that in fact it was legal to sell raw milk, we also knew that it was then going to be banned. So 
that's then raised a situation whereby we have this kind of difficulty that it doesn't exist in other countries because whilst demand is growing and there is consumer demand, you've also got a situation where farmers clearly weren't going to you know, spend the money getting their bottling facilities up to scratch and physically buying bottles and labels and marketing the product when they were being told straight away that this product was going to be banned. So it's a bit of a quandary in terms of getting this kind of public support that we need to actually stop the ban because obviously, you know, availability has been relatively limited. Um, But essentially, um, I mean, there's a huge amount of people out there that when they find out about raw milk and know about it and certainly know about the ban more so, more so in terms of the fact that actually, you know, a natural foodstuff is being banned that would be, that would find it objectionable whether they want to consume raw milk or not. Um, but the situation now then is that Minister Simon Covey, Minister for Agriculture, intends to put forward a statutory instrument under the um, auspices of the Department of Health, which would, and um, this would be under a statutory instrument which doesn't call for any um, vote in the draw, which would then uh, allow for the total ban on the sale of raw milk again. And just, just to clarify, that is also goats and cheese milk, yes? That's the whole lot then, because there's public consultation in 2008, um, they received 17 submissions and there has been a number of um, requests under the Freedom of Information Act, but we haven't been able to get any information on it, but as far as they're concerned, they, they received um, no submissions that would change their mind as, as, to, as, to, um, as to their decision to ban raw milk. What reasons have they given you to ban raw milk? What, what, like, what? Well, there are a number of very real and serious reasons for wanting to be careful about the consumption of raw milk. So I think that's that's really important to remember. Um, there's a number of risks associated with it. Now, I mean, maybe, you know, definitely to look at later, you know, obviously it raises societal issues about what we can and can't decide for ourselves. But just looking at it from a point of view of risks, there's a number of risks. Um the essential thing here but, I mean, well, the essential thing here is that when a scientist or, or somebody is examining this, what they do is they look at raw milk and they see a control measure in the form of pasteurisation and a, a really good control measure in terms of that it's very successful at actually killing the pathogens which, which the government is scared of um, and then they don't see this middle ground which we see, which we see raw milk as being a very separate product which perhaps could have different control measures in order to con- control or possibly reduce pathogens. But essentially the risks are E. coli, 0157. Um, the risks are listeria, um, campylobacter and salmonella. And some of those things can actually be lethal. Now, it's, it's about risk and it's about risk analysis and it's about, number one, whether... The, the pathogens are present in the milk in the first place. Um, it's about the people who are consuming the milk. Do they have enough immunity built up to it to, to, to avoid getting sick if, if they possibly reduce uh, or consume pathogens? Um, but there are there are real risks. I don't believe that they're very high, and I don't believe that in any way they 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 um, substantiate a ban. But but you know it would be fair to say that you know I think I think all of us in the campaign would recognise that that there definitely are risks associated and our recommendation would be that you know to alleviate the fears of the government that what one has is a system of very clear labelling so perhaps you can you know you can recommend to people that the elderly or the very young or anybody with an immunocompromised system should not drink raw milk. Now, people can obviously make their own decisions based on what they know, but, you know, certainly we feel that a warning label like that, you know, should really be sufficient. 
on on the raw milk. But I mean, I know that Mark McAfee, who who runs Raw Pastures in California, USA, he says that they actually test the raw milk as well, like. Well, yeah, absolutely. But there's only so much testing. I'm kind of sounding like I'm on the other side, but uh, there's only so much testing that you can do, and it's unrealistic to say that you can test every single batch of milk that comes out. And also, when you're testing it, what are you testing it for? Like, first of all, right now. Um, we're not in a situation where all of our farmers have easy access to home kit or, you know, home business kit tests for every single one of the pathogens that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You have to actually send the milk off to to, um, to an accredited laboratory. Now, uh, in addition to that, it's, it's, it's simply unfeasible in terms of costs and, and, and logistics because let's remember that obviously we want milk as fresh as we can get it. So to say that you could test every batch. So instead you're going to be looking at, you know, more likely to be a monthly schedule of testing but you still do have and I mean again not not, not to harp on to all, all the bad bits but just for something like E. coli and this probably would be the biggest concern is the fact that very very healthy animals and seemingly healthy animals they can shed E. coli and it's difficult to tell now again it comes back to risks and you know there was a study done in which is actually quoted by the FSAI as to why you know one of the reasons they want to ban milk is called Murphy et al and um, they were testing the, the filters and bulk milk tanks for E. coli and they did find it, I think it was in 16 out of 87, but then they didn't find E. coli in any of the milk products so it's very much it's very much about risks and, and the knowing consumption and it's also about the fact that you know, there's plenty of risks in other food. You know, you eat a garage sandwich, you eat lettuce, you eat bean sprouts, as we all know from Germany. You know, you have risks. There's risks in every food that you eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, that was actually a point that I was going to make too. Like, I mean, there's you could go to a restaurant and get food poisoned. I mean, there's risk in every sort of food that you eat. Yeah. Um, also, too, on on ear to the ground, there back in the summer there was a brief documentary about this whole campaign, and it was funny because one of the ladies within the health and safety um, health and safety food regulations of Ireland, she actually was said in that interview that it's known that when you feed raw milk to a baby in the first year of their life, that it actually. It, I think that might be on your mac and yeah, shaggish. Yeah, she said that, that it's, yeah. it's a far yeah. superior source than pasteurised milk. So I kind of found that, you know, a bit, you know, funny that, listen, she came out and said this. And and, and like, like, maybe just also tell our listeners, uh, Elizabeth, like, what are the benefits now of raw milk now, seeing that you've gone through, like, what possibly could go wrong? Well, one of the difficulties, I suppose, and I mean, I think on your mac and the, that you're... I'm talking about there would have said this. One of the difficulties is that there, there. I think it's very well widely understood that there are quite a few benefits to drinking raw milk. Now, it's not that widely understood necessarily which are the best benefits. You'll read a lot of different sources and there's a lot of information on the website. The, the, the difficulty is, from our point of view, speaking about health benefits, um, is that in terms of peer-reviewed scientific literature, there's very little peer-reviewed scientific literature. And that that there is will tend to conclude um, that the risks outweigh the benefits. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason for that is simply, you know, it's, it's money. You know, people who are proponents of raw milk don't have the money to, to spend years carrying out studies about raw milk and it's only really now that our governments and different you know different food safety establishments and places like Tagus are actually getting interested in the components of um, raw foods and healthy foods and traditional foods that they're actually looking at this stuff whereas most of the studies that are out there and the ones that show um, raw milk as being highly dangerous uh, 
they're you know they're done by big business and agribusiness, and that you know there's money behind these businesses in order to do studies on the other side. In terms of benefits, it, it is quite difficult. You know, a, a lot of a lot of the evidence, I suppose, from my point of view, certainly is anecdotal. But but that's not to say that it's not true. I mean, it's anecdotal in the sense that I, I have friends, you know, who have kids who drink raw milk and their eczema goes away. You know, I have, I was speaking to a guy in our shop the other week and he said that his child is just simply not able to drink pasteurized milk and gets really bad reactions but has no reactions whatsoever to raw milk. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I read a number of studies that contradict this, but, you know, I speak to the farmers. They have, you know, David Tiernan has a lady coming down and says she couldn't sleep and now she drinks a glass of raw milk every night and sleeps like a baby. And Joanna Allen, who has a couple of cows, and um, you know she has people that travel for miles to get the raw milk for, for their kids who maybe have um, asthma actually one of them um, and um, that, well in fact a couple of, of different ones and you know but it's vastly improved and I think it was uh, Frank Shinnick Frank who's um, he's actually a raw milk cheese producer in Fomoy he was he has um, somebody that travels there I think she's I think she might be a uh, player of some description and uh, um, you know used to always have to take out her inhaler and now she drinks raw milk all the time and never has to take out her inhaler when she's playing a match and you know so I mean these are these, these are stories that I hear and I have no reason to, to discredit them in any fashion um, but I suppose um, certainly in terms of protective benefits we're not fully I suppose aware of, of what they are a lot of people would say that it's to do with whey protein um, other people would say um, that you know you're really just talking about the enzymes and bacteria that aren't then killed off by the pasteurization process. But a lot of the time, it's the interaction between all of these things. You know, it's it's never usually as simple as it doesn't kill the vitamin B12. You know, it's, it's a complex. Um, it, it's a complex. Heritage. You know, those would be my big reasons for not wanting to see it banned. Mm-hmm. I um, I heard Sally Fallon once say that pasteurization is an excuse to make dirty milk. What's your view on that? I think it's probably a little bit unfair, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Sally, and I think she's great, and she's absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think it is a little bit unfair. You know, I mean, I think certainly there's certainly there's farmers in Ireland. Obviously, when you are producing milk and you know it's destined for pasteurization, you know, you're maybe not going to take exactly the same amount of care and definitely there's a difference between you know farmers who are producing milk which is is going to be consumed you know they're probably going to take a little bit more care with the hygiene and the milking parlor etc but I, I do think that you know see there's rewards there's financial rewards for having better milk when you sell, sell good milk to the dairies as well so while certainly there's people out there who would be you know producing milk to maybe not quite as high a standard within you know in the knowledge that it's going to be pasteurized I think the vast majority of our dairy farmers you know, consciously do try to produce the very best milk that they can. I think it's very different in Ireland than it is in America as well. You have to understand, like a lot of American uh, dairy herds, are, you know, they're not out to pasture. They're not. They're not ever feeding on grass. Our Irish herds, you know, for at least 60 percent of the year, they're out and they're they're, they're grass fed, and that, that that does make a big difference as well. And it makes a big difference, you know, in terms of not having this intensive reared indoor. Uh, heard. So it's a, it is a slightly different thing, and I suppose what we certainly don't want to be doing is in a situation where we're ever directly comparing ourselves to American agriculture. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 definitely true. Um, so Elizabeth, what can the the the, the general layperson do to to help the campaign? 
Yeah, so I mean, there's, I mean, there's very simple things you can do. You can there's a Slow Food Ireland uh, petition, and this is all on the the Raw Milk Ireland website. So it's just www dot, and um, there's a Slow Food Ireland um, petition that you can sign. Um, but, but one of the the most helpful things that you can do is is to write letters. Um, your local politicians um, from all parties. Um, if you don't if you don't know who they are, you can just go onto the Eroctus.ie uh, website and you can search for your area and find out. And it's as simple as sending them an email. All of their email addresses are, are readily accessible um, on the World Wide Web. And, um, you know, you, you simply you send them an email and, and make sure to include your your your, your full name and your, your actual your address where you live. And there's all, all of these kind of details are on our, our website. And in fact, there's sample letters and everything. But really just to express, I suppose, your your displeasure at the proposed ban and sale of raw milk and to ask questions about why that politician thinks that it should be banned and, you know, perhaps um, what the time frame is and if they can give any reasons why they think that it should be separated from other foods. But these kind of things really do help, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about public opinion, a lot of this. And, um, you know, the more questions that are raised in the door, parliamentary questions, and certainly to write a letter also to um, the Minister for Agriculture, Simon Coveney, um, and again, asking the same questions. And uh, politicians are actually, in fact, and, you know, I find this working on this campaign, it's, 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 it's not, I'm not a campaigner by nature, it's something that I feel quite strongly about, so we've, we've put a lot of effort into it. Um, politicians are very accessible, and actually we've got quite a lot of support from a couple of different parties, and, you know, and a lot of phone calls and direct contact and stuff so it's it's not like it's this kind of writing a letter to a politician thing they you know they, they actually will engage with you and will most likely directly reply uh, have you gotten good support from any politicians yeah we've got a good support um mainly labor party politicians um uh, um up, kevin humphreys up, up labor. fantastic up labor yeah <laughs> <laughs> um kevin humphreys has been fantastic i think he's um dublin central uh, a guy called michael mcnamara who again is a dublin td and he actually called for us to have um a meeting with the the Oireachtas committee the joint Oireachtas committee on uh, communications natural resources and agriculture after having attended a debate that we organized uh, back in august and thinking that perhaps the other side was was a little bit lacking in their data, um, and yeah, I mean we've you know we've we've had a number. I mean we've had a couple of Fine Gael supporters as well, and um, quite a lot of politicians have actually asked questions, parliamentary questions in the door on behalf of um, of, of of just general consumers and on behalf of ourselves, um, and you know a number of independent um, TDs have. Um, that gentleman Ming Flanagan has been supportive, etc. As well, so you know, a, a number around the country have been. It's 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 difficult, though, you know, because the Minister for Agriculture does seem very, very, very keen um, to press ahead with the ban. So it is quite difficult. Uh, and what will you actually have to do to stop it? Like, uh, is it a certain amount of uh, people to sign up on, on the petition, or is it? I will now, which is as easy as that. To be only fantastic. <laughs> Um, what we have to do, I don't know if we can, you know, um, they're, 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 you know, obviously we're trying very hard and the, the reality is, is that the Minister for Agriculture's opinion is that um, he needs somebody to demonstrate to him that the benefits of raw milk outweigh the negatives of a ban, whereas our opinion would be that that's not the case at all, that what he needs to do is demonstrate to us that there is a true risk associated with the consumption of raw milk and that they have the data to back this up. Um, mm, I, I mean, it's our opinion that 
the um, that the government, you know, had never really seen raw milk as being legal in Ireland um, after having banned it in 1996 and when the hygiene regulations came about in 2005, they really just saw this as being really just a loophole and something where they needed to dot the I's and cross the T's to, to kind of get rid of it. Um, and it's not as though they then, in our opinion, or certainly to the best of our knowledge, went off and did, did a very, you know, full report on the positive, the positive or negatives of, of consuming raw milk. What they did was, in, in our opinion, you know, had knew that they wanted to reban it and, and simply then went to gather a little bit of data to support that, as opposed to, you know, what we would have thought that science was about, which was starting with a, a clean slate and, and, a, and no opinion, then going off and finding data one way or the other, which would lead you to possible conclusions. We think that the conclusion happened first and that, that the data that we've been showed. Now, certainly, there may be a report out there specifically in relation to um, whether or not raw milk should Band, but it's, it's, it's never been shared with us or made public. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the book, Go Calories, Buy Calories by Gary Tobbs, but in that book, Tobbs talks about when he's talking about saturated fat, he goes, I don't understand how an old school food can cause new diseases, which would kind of be similar to my take on this whole thing. I mean, there's, there's tribes in Africa and around the world that have been drinking raw milk for hundreds and thousands of years, and it's, you know, if, if it was such a bad thing, surely, surely they, they wouldn't have stayed in existence. And also, too, I mean, just the plethora of information that's out there. I mean, I mean, any sort of the the, the Western A Price sort of foundation, if if you were to give any of that information, surely it, it would it would certainly make 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 the health minister think. But as you said, maybe it's just they already had their minds made up, and that's the way it is. How how did you come about? Like, how did you get into this whole field? Like, how did you realize oh, raw milk is good, and this whole uh, nutrition aspect and things? I suppose, I mean, I'm a cheesemonger and um, raw milk cheese would definitely be, um, and, and just, just to clarify as well, that, that there isn't actually um, any intentions to, 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 to ban raw milk cheese or anything. It's literally just raw milk for, for direct human consumption. Um, but, you know, we certainly over the years have worked really hard. You know, we were in a situation in Ireland probably about 10 or 12 years ago where raw milk cheese was you know it was people were persecuted and it was extreme made extremely difficult to produce and over the last number of years and um, the government and the government agencies have actually been fantastic and have started to really work with producers and have realized that this is something that people want to do you know the benefits for raw milk cheese certainly from our point of view are taste um what happens is in the cheese making process you have a lot of bacteria good and bad and so when you pasteurize it you, you destroy the good bacteria that actually is going to help define that mm. cheese with its final flavor and you know what we would tend to say is that you kind of give if you're if you're kind of into wine you know but the term terroir you give a sense of a sense of place to the cheese when you, when you actually don't pasteurize and there's always just something a little bit indefinable extra so this was that background and that kind of working with raw milk from that point of view would have um, certainly given me an awareness of, of, of raw milk as a product and I've also been quite involved in slow food for a number of years so again slow food would have been very supportive of the whole raw milk cheese process so it's from from my from me personally I mean that's that's kind of how I got into it but it's a natural thing and I think that's for a lot of people it's not just it's not necessarily about perceived health benefits or actual benefits it's, it's, it's about the fact that people I think there's an opinion actually, and it's funny, we had a meeting with um, Minister of State Shane McEntee and there was a feeling amongst um, the other side of the table, and that, that would have been senior uh, officials in the Department of Agriculture and the FCI were there as well, that 
embracing raw milk was the, was was moving backwards, and I suppose that I think that's something. It's kind of it's something that's been thrown up by this whole debate. You know, it's not just really about raw milk. It's about this idea that I think people, a lot of us in the arts and food industry, would kind of see embracing food traditions. As, as moving forward, kind of having enough confidence to be able to embrace things that we did in the past. Um, you know, just slow cooking, really nice bacon and cabbage food, you know, foods that, foods that kind of, I suppose, you know, when we were younger and when Angel Delight came in, our parents would have seen as being really backwards kind of foods. You know, that we've gone back and embraced these traditions. And I think that there's a feeling in maybe some of the some of the some of the government agencies and departments that you you know we just need to move forward from these things and that this kind of stuff um i don't just mean moving backwards but backwards in the true sense is the way that they kind of view this you know and and that why would we want to go backwards and drink this kind of odd weird stuff whereas i'm just wanting to embrace a part of our heritage and and also again i'll go back to it just it, it tastes an awful lot nicer like it's, it's fantastically tasty stuff and it, for me that's a huge part of this whole thing just to clarify, as a start, so raw milk cheese they have no problem with, but no. yet they have a problem with raw milk. Like, what what exactly is is the, I know there's obviously I know there's a difference between cheese and milk, but I mean, I mean from 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 their standpoint of banning raw milk, but yet raw 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 cheese is fine. I, I don't understand that. Like, so there is a significant risk difference between raw milk cheese and liquid raw milk. The first risk difference would be the window of opportunity for testing. Yeah, okay. um, so, you know, there's, I mean, I was mentioning earlier about the testing systems and that it would be unrealistic to test, um, you know, raw milk, but you could, you can do composite batches of, of cheese. Now, I mean, for us, and this is one of the big, um, I, um, I suppose oxymorons of the whole thing, is that that's fine for a lot of cheese, but when you come down to soft and, 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 and cheese that hasn't been aged very long or fresh raw milk cheese, that will still be legal. Um, and the risk analysis difference, it's there. There, there is things that happen in terms of the acidity levels, um, which do change the risk. But it's very, very slim. The other thing is there's no plans to ban raw milk butter. Raw milk butter will still actually be legal. Now, the FCI are saying that um, because of the salt content and the, and the lack of moisture in butter, that there's a difference in risk analysis, and that's fair enough. Um, but, for example, unsalted butter... Um, will still also be legal and yeah there may be a risk analysis difference and a difference in moisture content but the risk analysis well first of all it's not there there is no risk analysis you know we don't have that science um, to actually quote but second of all in, in my understanding and I you know I'm not a scientist and I don't have a scientific background I certainly have a better understanding of all this than, than when I began but is that there there is a difference in risk but it, it's it's so different we it's a, it's so little difference as to be negligible in terms of soft and fresh raw milk cheese and butter yeah. and raw milk so yeah it's it's a it's, it's a why 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 is this you know it's funny because this is the same government that, that pushes the food pyramids and the consumption of processed food and grains so i don't know you know of course most people are are, are pretty they, they just conform and kind of take things where they are but i suppose if you did your own investigation you'd really realize that you know what the what the the the, the food industry are, is promoting and our health and food safety isn't isn't so uh, healthy or safe really. To be honest, I think I mean I think what it, I think what it does or has done for a lot of us was, and I mean I don't mean to knock the FSAI entirely because you know genuinely they do do a huge amount of really good work and you know and as I say there really has been an atmosphere of working together yeah. in in recent years that you know wasn't there kind of even say six seven years ago, um, but. 
there does seem to be I suppose there's questions. What what this has done is it's raised questions about the science behind our food safety policies. Uh, Elizabeth, just, um, just before you go on, and you know these people a lot more than me, and, and I don't want to come across you know that I'm completely against them because obviously I, I want you know I want you to come out good like I don't want anyone from their side listening to this and thinking that Jesus is like you know they completely slated us we're definitely banning it you know but yeah. but like do these people really understand food and nutrition like do they actually really understand food and nutrition I mean have, would you not even say to them have you even tried raw milk just for a week I think I think I suppose you have to understand as well that you know these people these people Sorry, they're yeah. not <laughs> they're not they're not like you know it's not like they're good and getting up in the morning and kind of really going you know I, I want to find a way for this. I mean I, I think for the most part they do genuinely believe that what they're doing is correct um, it's not I mean I, I, I don't think that there's a vast agenda I think that there is a belief and, and certainly you won't find very many food safety authorities if any who recommend the consumption of raw milk and that's fine with us we you know um they don't really recommend the consumption of oysters either, but they can live with it and they can regulate it. Um, do they understand food nutrition? Well, I suppose the point is, does anybody, you know, I mean, that's a, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned before about fats, I mean, our understanding of how fats in our diet play a part. I mean, that's, that's. I mean, this is and, really and only that, kicking off. That's, in, in, that, that's, sorry to cross again, but that's what I mean, is, and this is still the same, this is still probably the, the same industry that has taught us and it's probably coming from originally the American food pyramid that got introduced to Ireland. But these are the same people, the same the same organisation that tell us, oh, fat causes heart disease. And yeah. Like I mean, anyone who's really studied biochemistry and nutrition and any of the the background nutrition information from people that mean from me and you know would know that that's a complete fallacy. But yet these people are the people in charge of nutrition consumption in this country. And I mean, just my last point before I let you speak again, if you were to just step back logically and look at how bad people's health has gotten in the last 30 years since this whole pasteurised dairy, uh, loads of grains, low fat, I mean, obesity, diabetes, autism, ADHD, these things are gone off the charts and heart disease. Since, since this quote-unquote healthy food pyramid came in and, you know, and, and all this, I mean, it's just, it's just like, people need to realise that people, the people that are making these decisions really do not understand good nutrition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I go quite as far as that, but, um, I, I mean, I suppose it's just, it's like anything, I mean, our understanding of everything has changed, I mean, you know, we now have, like, these, you know, if somebody's trying to lose weight, there's two very polar opposite views, you know, there's the low-fat, um, low-fat diet, doesn't really matter what your carb intake is, you know, do whatever, and then you've got, you know, ketogenic diets on a completely different side of things, and, I, I mean... I suppose the point is there has to be a middle ground and people have to be willing to embrace new technologies but um, like anything I suppose we just I think we almost have too much information on everything now um, mm -hmm. and I, I suppose that's probably one of the difficulties and I know it's a difficulty that I, I think that the FSAI face you know is that you know and I, I don't think they mean this in a, in a, in a, in a negative sense but that, you know we all have so much access to different information now I suppose we can all choose little bits and we can all choose all of this and I suppose it's their decision to try and stick to what they feel to some extent is, is, is the best information that they have at hand and the most, uh, you know, I suppose the most tried and tested and, and when new ideas come along, I suppose like anything it's difficult to embrace them, you know, um, you know, like anything it doesn't have to be food, you know, probably we're all well aware that solar power is great now and that that's, you know, one of the way forward, 
one of the ways forward. But, you know, I'm sure that I, I actually have no knowledge whatsoever about solar power, but I'm sure that when the idea of it was brought in first, I'm sure it's taken a huge amount of time for it actually to become, like, in any way relatively mainstream. So I suppose, you know, that's the case, that it, it, it takes a long time for new ideas to actually get embedded into, into especially into government agencies. But the, fu- um, but the funny thing is that it isn't new. It's how we used to be when we were healthier. Like, with regards to raw milk, as you said, to them, it feels like you're going backwards. But in your mind, it's like, no, I'm embracing the traditional food that healthy people used to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I suppose one of the things, and I know if, if there was anybody from the SSI listening to this, that, you know, one of the things that they would say is that pasteurization has saved a huge number of lives. And that is true. I mean, it is true. It's not, it's not, you know, in terms of our consumption of milk, because, you know, we had very different problems in terms of TB uh, 30 years ago. Um, you know, we now have managed to control TB to a large extent in Ireland, which makes it not very much of a high risk in terms of um, transit, the transmission of milk. Our, our, our national herd rate is is about 0.5%, whereas, you know, it's taken a long time to actually get it down to that rate. And, you know, that was. And, and it is one of those emotive issues because people people remember and know people who died of TB, etc. So, you know, I suppose a lot of this goes back to memories and, and TB would be one of those big things and I feel it's being used slightly as an emotive issue now because it's something that people remember. But it is and was a real threat to people and I suppose pasteurisation has, you know, certainly it is a very useful tool. I mean, it wouldn't be possible for us to have the access to milk as a product, you know, given that we want it, if we all kind of take that we do want it, you know, if it wasn't for pasteurisation. I suppose raw milk is always going to be a niche product um, and people who you know who want to drink it and who understand that there are some risks associated albeit that they're that they're they're pretty small should have the right to do it and i mean that's that's the crux of the argument really but in terms of the understanding of the of you know of of the health agencies i suppose that's something that we're working on i mean there is a lot of positive stuff though and i mean not just about raw milk but you know i mean i think the department of health now is really making a concerted effort you know you look at um some of their ideas with you know things like taxing um sugar. Uh, taxing sugar and well, yeah, but also you know in terms of the the broadcasting authority looking at changing the way that they advertise to children and you know there's even talk of putting warning labels on um foods for kids and and a huge thing definitely has been this recognition that sugary cereals are not a good food so i i think there is positive moves but like anything it's it's, it's difficult to change anything you know i mean it's it's i i, I think us normal people you know kind of go oh that's bad let's change it and you know it's it's never as simple as that in politics and I mean that's the difficulty of what we're facing here is that it's not the government is not a government like a business it's politics and the body politic is, is a very different way of, of doing things you know from, from from we would all see oh let's change that you know I think it's it's a lot more difficult than that in reality how, how have you found people's reactions when you say that in raw milk um, a lot of people don't really know what it is. I have to explain it to them, and again, it goes back to that, 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 that difficulty that I was speaking about about the fact that you know, as soon as we realised that actually it was legal to sell it, we also knew it was going to be banned. So we're in a very different situation from say other countries. You know, in America they've had it legal in some of the states and not in others, or in other countries where they've maybe tried to bring in a ban, like in the UK. There's been a, a recent history of raw milk consumption, whereas in Ireland. And um, the raw milk consumption that happens at the moment is generally dairy farmers drinking their own milk. 
um, us townies, where you know, who are probably the most likely consumers of raw milk, maybe don't have as much experience of it. Um, so. Uh, but in terms of my friends and whatnot, I mean, if, you know, obviously when you're, you're, you're uh, I'm possibly relatively convincing when I'm speaking to them about it, so they all come out of it thinking that raw milk is definitely the way forward. But, um, I mean, I haven't met anybody who, who disagrees, certainly. Um, but, but obviously it is difficult when you're speaking to somebody, perhaps for them to necessarily disagree with you. But I think it comes down to consumer choice. And I think most people kind of, you know, and I, you'll obviously get the impression I'm not kind of, you know, that I am relatively balanced on the whole topic. Um, I think that, you know, I think that people want to be able to choose. And it, and it goes back to the thing of, you know, much as I don't like bringing it up because it's not that relevant. But, you know, if you can smoke, you know, and we all know that's really not great for you. Um, yeah, yeah then why why can you not drink raw milk yeah. you know i mean and that's 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 a very valid point and like as we said earlier on too i mean they talk about risk of raw milk but i mean there's risk with, with any food you could eat even pasteurized milk too so mm. yeah no i mean there's a lot of, i mean and a lot of for example one of the communications we had with the fsai was to do with um well, with slow food, um, you know, and they sent back a document quoting lots of cases of where people became ill from drinking milk. And it turns out that actually about half of those cases quoted were from improperly pasteurized milk. So, you know, um, I mean, there's the, the point is, and I mean, it's not just food. I mean, you know, every time you step out the door, you have a risk of doing something. You know, there's only so much that you can control in terms of risks. And I suppose one of the biggest risks that the government would see is, is, is the possible risk to the um, international reputation of our dairy industry, our exports are hugely um, important to us um, for dairy, about 2.2 billion value and about 85% of our dairy industry is exported. Um, so it's this risk of, you know, somebody sending a tweet and it's spreading around the world. Um, but I suppose one of our arguments with this and this idea of fast communication, um, and that has been said to us by a couple of government agencies, you know, some, you know, something went wrong. Um, I think that that's another thing, and it's, you know, it's like embracing new technologies and, and, and food or new information and food. The thing is, is that we now live in this age of Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, etc. And, you know, we can't live in fear of somebody saying something and it's spreading. We just have to, you know, we have to accept the fact that that's the world that we live in. And, we, you know, we have to adjust our behaviours maybe to some extent. But, you know, I could send a tweet saying anything right now and it could or could not get picked up. Um, it could be true or it could be not true. Um, anybody can do that. And I suppose you just can't live in fear of the potentials. And I think that's possibly one of our biggest issues is that everything that surrounds this ban to us is, is ifs, possibles, maybes, potentials, theoreticals. And there hasn't really been any true science or true fact, in our opinion, applied to the basis for banning raw milk. What have you done from an awareness standpoint to, to, to make the public more aware of this? Because it, it actually, I, I only heard about th this whole ban maybe a few weeks back. I was very unaware of it. Then I read up on it and really got into it. Um, well, it's, I suppose it's a limited amount we can do. You know, everybody involved in this, you know, we've all got, I've got a full-time job and, um, you know, uh, we haven't, you know, necessarily had somebody kind of sitting down focusing on this full time, but we had quite a lot of media attention um, initially. Um, we have a website, um, Facebook page, and a Twitter page. It's all Raw Milk Ireland. Um, you know, we've had posters and leaflets and um, 
um, you know, people who have market stalls have been kind of trying to get the word out and 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 all of that. And I suppose we haven't really um, in because we, you know, one of our main reasons for for you know for trying to put the story out into the media initially was so that we could get a meeting because we weren't getting any we weren't getting anywhere with the government. We weren't getting any response that was in any way meaningful. Um, now, when we did get a meeting there recently with the Minister of State, and then we also got a chance to present to the Oireachtas Committee, because we have, you know, we have backed off a little bit in terms of um, the amount of pressure that we've been trying to put on uh, to, to, to get media attention, um, you know, because we did get kind of what we wanted there now. So, I mean, now, you know, we're certainly in a position where we want people to just... Um, be aware of this, but you know, I, I mean, the point is, we don't have any money. We don't have any, you know, we we don't have any particular interest in terms of uh, financial gain. Particularly, we're selling raw milk, but but uh, <laughs> certainly not really making uh, any money out of it. Particularly, um, you know, it's more about the fact that we really want it to be available. So, you know, any help that anybody can give is much appreciated. <laughs> Just from a from a bigger picture uh, perspective, do you think that like nutrition really should be taught from grassroots like it really should be integrated into schools like it's, it's so it's so neglected like i mean people really haven't a breeze about nutrition yeah for sure but i suppose your concern then would probably fall to what type of nutrition is actually being taught i mean that's the difficulty again because there's so many opinions on what actually is correct and what's not um i think possibly the difficulty with that would be, you know, what sort of nutrition. I mean, I remember doing home ec in school and certainly had the food pyramid and that was what was there, you know, and I mean, I don't think our teachers were teaching us to that kind of, in, in the knowledge that there was something wrong with it particularly either, you know, that was what they believed and that was what they were thought, taught. So I suppose yes is the answer, but then slightly qualified by the fact that, how you know, how does one set the agenda for that and how does one set a curriculum for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important that people you know that people know about food but i think i suppose m my angle on this would be more to do with um probably supporting irish food and supporting local food and supporting traditions and perhaps maybe not so much from the 100 percent nutritional angle yeah, yeah, yeah. and a final question do, do you think you'll overturn this 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 decision um well um it's difficult, you know. I mean, I think that we've done a lot, as much as we could do. I mean, you know, our, our campaign has been formed by Slow Food Ireland, um, ourselves and Sheridan's, people like A. Cavistons and, and Greystones who are selling the milk as well, and um, Eurotox Ireland and the ICSA, which is the Irish Cattle Farmers, uh, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. And we've all been working to, to kind of try and do this. Because as I say, you know, I mean, it's kind of been in our, in our part-time... I think um, I think it'd be very difficult. I think we may. I think I think there's a possibility that the Oireachtas Committee may recommend that this needs more time. That perhaps we need to have a pilot study in order to ascertain the true risk. But the minister can still choose to to ignore that advice if if, if it should happen. Um, it, it's it's going to be difficult. But the only way that we really can is by getting enough public support and getting enough people to really make the government see that in fact this is not you know, something that the people want. What the minister needs is a nice big glass of raw milk. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's had many because he grew up in a dairy farm, so... <laughs> Elizabeth, um, that's great stuff and great information. Just tell the listeners again about all the, um, all the uh, 
um, places where they can find more information? Yeah, so um, you can follow us on Twitter, which is um, Raw Milk Ireland. You can follow us on Facebook, again, Raw Milk Ireland. Um, you can, like the website really is a, is a brilliant resource. I mean, there's literally all of the information that you need. Um, there's, a, there's a section called what, can, what you can do. There's uh, loads of links to other websites and further reading. There's loads of links to any of the media that we've had so far. It's a little video on it that you referred to earlier um, with Alan McSweeney and David Tiernan and Derry Farmer kind of which shows the issues um, pretty clearly and that's actually at the bottom of the homepage um, so that's www.rawmilkireland.com and you can send us an email if you have any queries or um, whatnot. And, and, and really just to contact your local politicians by email just a quick little email to fire it off takes a few minutes and away you go Okay great stuff and for anyone else that's listening to uh, other good resources would be Mark McAvee, uh, second name M A or M C A F W E, and he's a great resource in raw milk. And there's a plethora of books out there in raw milk if you go onto Amazon. So um, Elizabeth, I really appreciate your time. It was a great interview. And uh, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Take care and stay strong. <laughs>